Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. It's baseball season, officially. About time. This week. Yeah, we, we've had two games, and by the time <laughs> we talk again, there will be many other games. Yeah, the real opening day on 328, where every baseball team is playing. I understand, but those stats do count from the two games. Now we're at the point where uh, rosters are getting finalized. Yes. And one important roster move... La Tortuga is staying up. Oh Lillian's man, a studio. I love that he leans into a you know a tortoise themed <laughs> nickname. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he look, <laughs> he does look it. He no, no, he well doesn't. No, he does. Well, okay, rotundness he looks it, but moving he does not look like it because I have never seen someone who expends that much effort move so slowly. You know, it's like it's like seeing someone floor it in a semi. You're like, what? <laughs> like, there's a lot of engine sound, but you are not moving that fast. Yeah, it's true. You're very true. So who's your player that you're really excited about getting a, a roster spot? Josh James. That's easy. Josh James, he's strained his quadricep early in the season, early in spring training, which basically took him out of the running for a rotation spot. But they, uh, they, made, they made room for him. He, you know, they, they want him to be a starter, but... He's, yeah. I think he's like a pretty good best starto option because he throws probably a hundred, and he can do that for two innings of that. Two innings, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was a darling coming in, and then yep. he got himself hurt. But you know, spring training is long enough that people can get injured and come back. Well, that was the it's... thing. I mean, that was that was what I was. You know, I drafted him at his lowest stock point, probably, yeah. and. Um, because it was because it was the maximum of like he's not going to be ready he's not going to be ready but oh but actually you know who's not going to be ready Dallas Keuchel in terms of yeah. <laughs> in terms of picks that look really dumb I didn't pick Craig Kimbrell but I I easily could have but I yeah. did pick Dallas Keuchel and I I don't even know I don't know he's not he's he's right he hasn't signed we'll just put it there he I mean he's not going to have a a good year even if he does sign in the next month. No, no, no. I totally agree. He's he's like a crazy roster stash that you can't stash. <laughs> so yeah, he's yeah in like TGFBI format. You can't do it. There's no like there's a, no format that you can stash him in. I mean, I have him in our home league. Like, what am I going to do with him? I guess it's just yeah. That's really hard. He's not good enough to be. I know. Like stashing in a in a deep league or a shallow league. I guess this just entered my consciousness this week did you see this have you did you know about this we have a release date for volume two of the book of dust i did not know the release date had been finally named did you know october the, 3rd did you know That's the great. title the secret commonwealth no idea what that could mean Ooh. no i thought about it not for that long you know i didn't do any internet deep dives but it wasn't immediately apparent like this is what they're talking about 
Philip Pullman, he's he knows what he's talking about. So No, um, he, he does know what he's talking about. He's he's about to have a busy year. He's gonna have a very busy year. Yeah. I'm just excited well, to I, figure <laughs> out how this interfaces with that that trippy action sequence that was the last hundred pages of book one. Ooh, true, true. The trippy action. It was. It was. We, t- you know, in our review, we talked about this at length. The book, you know, the book moved along very slowly, and then suddenly, the last hundred pages were just can't put them down. Like single shot action. It. It was. Yeah. It was blinking. You miss it. Yeah. Details. Yeah. No. I. And that was. Maybe we're gonna pick up where we left off. That's kind of how. Um, the subtle knife was. I think you almost have to. Yeah. I mean. Who knows? This week on the pod, Algorithm Club returns. We will discuss the intricacies and pitfalls of neural nets, including our baby steps in the field. In the second half, we'll discuss the plans we're hoping to roll out in the next couple weeks using neural nets and focus on some specific players who we'd like to make better forecasts for. So here we go. We did artificial neural nets last year for Algorithm Club. Yeah. And we did it badly? Um, I think that we explained what a neural network was, and that's half the battle. Um, but we I, we didn't have a successful implementation. Well, we had about. we had implementations that ran from start to finish, which is roughly where I'm at right now. <laughs> but <laughs> but I have but I've actually made progress from last year, ironically, even though I'm at pretty much the exact same point. I've actually made some progress. All right. Let's do a quick let's do a quick refresher on what's up with with neural nets and why we why we actually want to use them. At the, at the fundamental level, you know, you can think about trying to fit for y equals mx plus b, the standard linear equation, mm-hmm. and then you have all this computing power, and so you think, well, I'm going to look for that relationship, and then I'm going to use that relationship to tell me about some other relationship. Then I'll use that relationship to tell me about some other one. And you keep going around and around and around. And then you end up with something that are called weights and biases that give you the information that's encapsulated in each level. Oof. I, you know, I spent some time. I had some moments where I was like, is this all pointless? What am I doing? Like, what's, what are we going to get out of this? And then my pick-me-up was that one of the Google Doodles from last week used neural nets and machine learning to power it. Nice, really. Yes, I didn't notice that. Yes. So what the I hopefully everyone saw this. This was an excellent nerd moment. But what it had done is it had made the Google Doodle. You could interact with it and write um, melodies, and then it will harmonize with them Whoa. in the style of Bach. And so they had they did exactly this. And they one of the things that they tout in here is they tout that what they could do was essentially just save their weights and biases from the hidden levels of their neural nets. And then the JavaScript can just ingest that tiny amount of information and know how to do all the harmonization, which is amazing. Wow, so it's a, the thick client using the um, using all the data yes. that's been done. Wow. Yep. wow. Yeah, we want to use this for prediction and say, like, this is what we think, this is what we're projecting for a player. Or this is what a player has looked like over the last three months. What's that going to look like for the for the rest of the year? That is the dream. And ideally, yeah. we don't have to run all of those all the time. And so if somebody can just fire up their browser and find the, the current one, the current projection, that'd be amazing. Why don't you batter me in with talk of TensorFlow? 
All right, here it is. Uh, last year, I had used SK Learn for my most functional machine learning, which was a multi-layer perceptron, in case that means anything to anyone. But it turns out that the cutting edge of machine learning right now is TensorFlow, which is Google's library for machine learning. This is this is being used everywhere. This is being used in astronomy for all sorts of classification problems. I, I'm sure this is being used in the solar industry somewhere. Uh, and so I was... Maybe. Somebody's using it. If not, it's you. Um, so <laughs> it's soon. my general opinion is until we unlock the capabilities there on this cutting edge and we sort of get there, we'll be at a, a disadvantage in terms of machine learning. And I'm that reminded... I'm reminded of Mr. Weasley, though. We can't see where this keeps its brain, but we're just going to put know. a bunch of trust in it. <laughs> so the accomplishment of this week, before we jump to talking about specific players, is that I fit a line using TensorFlow. And uh, this, I went back to the problem that I tried to work on last year, which was predicting wins, uh-huh. trying to figure out if there's any forecast in there for wins, because that seems like a great basic neural net application like okay i can't by eye see the relationship there must be a relationship between all these statistics and wins because in general the best pitchers get the most wins but what is actually predictive and so i just tested this is a model that just looks at um strikeouts um and games started and tries to predict Mm -hmm. the number of wins it's just like let me just boil this down into the simplest thing and you can see that my big problem last year, which was I predicted negative wins for pitchers, <laughs> is gone. I now only predict yeah, positive wins. there we go. I now only predict positive wins for pitchers. That's the way. I did it. And it, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't not follow. And the nice thing is that um, about, about TensorFlow and Neural Nets is that you can see the training bake in. So you can see the lines that it, it tried. And then eventually where it settles in, you have a higher density region. And so you, it basically decides if you have 300 strikeouts, it's pretty nuts if you don't get 18 wins. <laughs> well, yeah, nowadays, that's, yeah. It, that is true. Yeah. How many years of data did you just go off of 2018? This is just, this is just 2017. Uh, actually. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're refitting your... I was refitting the exact same thing because I wanted to see... Because I was doing this in the middle of the 2018 season because the goal was to forecast forward. Mm-hmm. And you can see that it actually did not take that long for the, the root mean squared, which is what I was using as the, the loss function for all the real neural net heads out there, uh, did, not take, did not take that long to converge. So this was, this was a very cheap problem, which was nice. Um, good predictors there. Great linear. So how, how close were they on a few standouts? How, not, how... They're not. You can see. You, okay, so the problem still with this and without with throwing not enough information is that I didn't throw innings pitched, which you basically would need, need in yep. the neural net because the it's currently the linear fit. And the reason you can't do the linear fit is because it's biased by the pitchers that had 50 strikeouts and no wins or 50 <laughs> strikeouts and one win or 100 strikeouts and three wins. You know, it's biased mm-hmm. by all the relievers because the goal was just to throw everything. So Every pitcher, yeah. So... We could, this is why it's, I view it as a neural net application, because we could go in and try and normalize everything to innings or total batters faced or any of these things, or you could just ask the neural net, please find this relationship for me anyway. I like that. Okay, well, that's a step. It is officially a step. 
Hope everyone has a chance to enjoy some of the opening day baseball this week. We're certainly happy that it's back. Here's an outtake. Spoken like a true Twins fan, though. How depressing is it to go to the White Sox? <laughs> I don't. I can't even tell you how sad I was when the White Sox won. <laughs> <laughs> like many years ago at this point, but man. I mean, as Doug Minkiewicz would say, biggest rivalry in sports. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, Doug, good old Doug Minkiewicz. One of the things we want to use neural nets to forecast is the clusters guys will be in. Some guys are pretty clear, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Scherzer, some guys are less clear. Identifying the unpredictable guys in advance and checking along the way helps validate the model. I think that we should talk more about model validation, we sort of kind of talk about it as an aside. I don't have, I don't have <laughs> negative wins anymore, what else do you want from validation? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I just put together a quick list of some guys that I identified as unpredictable. You want to hear these? Let me hear hear your thoughts on these guys. I'll just list yeah. them off. I got Tyler White, Julio Urias, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Good enough for me. Nick Marcakis, Pete Alonso, DJ LeMahieu, Rich Hill, Yadier Molina, Hugh Darvish, Yoan Moncada, Gregory Polanco. Do you like that? Do you like that list? Is that an interesting list? I think this is a great list because it encapsulates multiple levels of what we're trying to do. We're trying to look at guys that are young, and so we don't know anything because they have a small sample size, like Pete Alonso, Yohan Moncada. We're trying to look at guys that are old, and we don't know what the age effects are going to be, like yeah, Rich Hill, Nick Markakis. And then we're trying to look at guys that you're just, they've just historically, we have been hard to forecast and i think of that as like tyler white and gregory polanco right yeah i would put tyler tyler white and gregory polanco in that same like you know these are guys that we're kind of waiting for they put it together sometimes and then don't i mean tyler white a little bit has far less of a career for that um and then you've got people whose roles are who who really knows uh dj lemayhew um and you darvish we just don't know Right. So who are these guys? I grabbed the rankings aggregations on Fantasy Pros, query out, queried out the top 300 by average ranking, queried out the guys who had best or average rankings in the top 100, query statement, yeah. or um, the query, the query <laughs> guy. then create a relevance metric based on the difference between the average ranking minus one standard deviation and the best ranking. Okay. So that's the difference between who said he was the okay. best and one standard deviation away from the the average ranking. Okay. I I like that. I like that metric. And I mean it's it's always good to have a simple algorithm that identifies guys that make sense by gut, right? Yeah, right. This is this is trying to fit um <laughs> this is trying to fit a metric to something that we can see by gut just by like sorting different fields, right? Right. Which guy on this list are you most are you are you most intrigued by? Like let's let's start with the positives because I know we have some negative guys on this list, but who are you mm. who are you most looking for a sort of positive cluster assignment or like hoping that we see a positive cluster assignment? Well, I have shares of Tyler White. Yeah. And I had t- shares of Tyler White last yeah. year and I think that he's a fun player and I would I mean Unfortunately, I put an article in here that uh, a couple of weeks ago that 
Tyler White is not going to be the DH, so he's going to be a utility guy, and he doesn't really have the body for utility work a la um, Marwin Gonzalez. He's more of a, yeah, more of a, like, Miguel Sano utility guy. Mm, Yeah. Corner infield, Uh if you're sure that you don't need a corner infielder. Yep. On days at Verlander is on. Um, so Tyler White, I'm really, you know, actually all of these guys, except for basically all of these guys, except for Julio, Rich Hill and Yachty Molina, I am super interested what their seasons are going to be. So let's talk about those three Julio and Rich Hill. I, um, I don't really like the Dodgers the way the Dodgers, I don't really like the Dodgers Sure. period. So you now that's really interesting though that you're basically saying that you're high on the rest of these guys. I what are you? I'm interested in the rest of those guys. I'm not really okay. that high on right. them. Um, but what are you interested in for DJ LeMahieu? Like your notes here say no cores, no position. Totally right. But what is he gonna do? I don't know. I mean, that's what sort of that's what I'm sort of interested in. Could he if he gets to 600 plate appearances? Oh my gosh! I mean, he's going to be super valuable on that team. Yeah, I mean, we've loved we've loved DJ LeMahieu over the years because he has he just had a killer batting average, batting average in course, and I'm inclined to think that that's actually not going to go that the batting average is not going to decline as much out of course as if he was like the home run hitter or hit all of his value yeah. is tied to RBIs or something. But yeah, he's an interesting player because he doesn't have a ton of speed. He doesn't have a ton of pop. He has a pretty high batting average, which may or may not have been inflated by cores. So it's what he did in Yankee Stadium, which is also a hitter park, is going to be really interesting. And the piece that we're flirting around here, if those 600 plate appearances came in the top four, even five um, right. batting order right. positions. Right. Yeah, he could be. He could. He could end the season as a top fifty player. I think. I think he's um, a great even, five hitter you know, on that team. Not every day. <laughs> no, he yeah, is. Sure, he is. Why not? Yeah, because you don't want him up after Stanton, because he will get on base. Yeah. yeah. I. You know, there's yeah. um, if if we're talking about one team that I don't know what their range of outcomes looks like, I would currently say that's the Yankees. I think there's a lot of questions. For, I have a lot of questions regarding the Yankees this year. Like, I don't know what their lineup looks like. I don't know how long they can keep guys healthy for um, with, like, this Aaron Hicks injury right now that's driving me insane. But they're going to win 90 games. They've got such a – they've oh, got yeah. a deep team. Oh, yeah. But there's a big difference between – there's a big difference between 90 games and 100 games. Sure. Yeah. Uh, right. 90 games because 90, 90 is close to 80. Yeah. There's, there's a big difference in – in terms of the fantasy stats accrued by a team, there's a really big difference between between 90 games and 100 games. Right. We've shown this looking. We've shown this looking at the run differential before. That just just how many runs are scored by those the top teams. I, absolutely true. Yeah. No. And uh, you know anybody if and there's any injury spot um, that is made available, DJ could fill it. First base, second base. <laughs> is Greg Bird going to stay healthy? Plays. No, no. Um, any of these guys that you're interested in, super interested in? Pete Alonso, because I, um, yeah. I'm interested in the Mets too. <laughs> frankly, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He made the opening day roster, which is like a huge step forward. Yep. Hopefully, they've learned their management 
hopefully they've learned to manage better after like the Conforto <laughs> debacle, like whatever <laughs> they were doing with him, like why they kept him down for so long and like didn't use him correctly mm-hmm. and like all that stuff. How many? Um, okay, over under Pete Alonso home runs this year twenty three and a half. Under really? Uh huh. Yeah. How low? I'll 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 stick to the twenty three and a half. But how low would I have to go before you started thinking about it? I mean, it's actually real. I think that's a really good number. Twenty one and a half is probably okay. Where if you said twenty and a half, I might. That's where I'd think about it. I'm still going to keep it at twenty three and a half. I mean, I think that I'll. um, I think this is this is a can an early candidate for one that looks really dumb when they don't give him at bats. (laughs) But. It's one of those ones that looks really dumb. They don't give him a bats, and he goes down to the minors. And then all of a sudden, late in the season, he's like called up to the forty yeah. man, and then it's just he's like twenty. Oh my god, twenty home runs he's in the just like half. Smashing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, all right, I'll accept that. That's an interesting one. And then is this the year for Moncada? If this isn't the year, I'm not sure that he has the the Sterling career that people were expecting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, he was supposed to make that jump last well, year. Well. How depressing is it to to get traded to the White Sox just as you're coming up? Yeah, yeah, but to the White Sox situation. Yeah, that that's he what was I mean. In. Yeah, they they have the um, opportunity to be that kind of the Braves of last year. I agree with that, and and Moncada could play a a very important role on a Braves esque 2019 team. Yeah, if he wants to be the um, the Ronald, Ronnie the Bear, Acuna. I uh, I remember seeing, this is a, a total aside, and I'll be quick, but I remember seeing him in a minor league game, and he was just like, just... That much better than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, but he, but the problem was, he didn't care. Like, he was like, so mm. good. He was so good playing in, it was a double A game. He was so good, and it was just like, I'm not going to try. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to, I'm going to just lace this ball over the second baseman's head. I'm going to run it. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, and sometimes you see that when you, if you're watching games of him. Yep. Should we co- cover anybody else quickly? Um, no idea what's going to happen with Gregory Polanco. And honestly, he's a perfect neural net candidate because you can't forecast him from what he's done in previous years. It's, yeah, it's difficult. It's not even like it's not even like with these other players where okay, early season trajectory, I'll have a better sense of where they're going to go. Like Pete mm-hmm. Alonso, DJ LeMahieu, all these guys, frankly, everyone else on this list. But Gregory Polanco, you could give me half a season, and I will have no better prediction for his second half. I feel like. <laughs> I I agree. Yeah. So I need a neural net to tell me. You tell know, you. Am I right, or can I? Can the neural net tease out some information that I just can't see? Just trust the machine. I'm man. ready. All right. I think that about brings us to the review session. Tommy Fam. Tommy Fam, indeed. Thirty-one. Yeah, you want to jump through the numbers? Thirty-one years 31. of age. 31. Thirty-one years of age. I like this. You know, they six-one-two-ten. That seems about right. It's a good. It's good. He's a good. Good solid guy. Um, traded to the Tampa Bay Rays in the middle of last year, which I think was actually might end up being an improvement for him. So twenty eighteen mm-hmm. splitting between the Cardinals and the Rays, he totals one hundred and thirty-seven games. Doesn't get to six hundred plate appearances, which is interesting. Um, in that time, he gets 21 home runs, 102 runs, 63 RBIs, and 15 stolen bases. Average is a little low at a little low for what I like at 275. But if you put this all together, that's a good WAR of four. 
from Fangraphs. Yeah. I mean, that's he had a pretty darn good year. I mean, considering when you consider all that, I mean, I guy, I give guys the benefit of the doubt when they're traded because I, moving sucks <laughs> <laughs> and, and like changing jobs sucks. So I, I'm pretty good. I mean, a 367 OBP. Here's something, here's like, a, here's a crazy number. He had 342 in Babbitt last year, which might give some people pause. But if you look at his entire career, that's a number that he can pull off. Yeah, that's that's pretty typical. That's what he did in that 2016 season. Yeah, and in his 2017 season, he had 368. He had a 368 Babbitt. Yeah, when, and of course he was he was more focused on stealing bases in that in that year, I think. And you look at if you look at his games played, you know, compared to guys who are similarly aged. Um, it's low because he was in the minors for so long, so much longer than uh, he should have been. Well, his um, career totals are right. basically a three-year average, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Project- the projections are interesting. I think people are pretty pretty bullish on him. Yeah. I've found in general. Where do you come down on the, the bullish case for Tommy Pham? I find it interesting that everybody is saying that he's going to be somewhere around 140 games. Only like they're just yeah. they're just scraping off 20 22 games. I think that's right. I mean, I think the combination of of his the way he plays, which we'll talk about watching him in a second, the way he mm-hmm. plays and violently. being on and being on the race. All right, we'll just get to it. He plays violently. That is that is a perfect yeah. word. Yeah. Like 20 games seems totally reasonable after you watch him have some at bats. You're like, "Oh, that guy is going to get hurt." I knew th- I mean, what's very funny is that I I'm I, I feel like I just knew a bunch of guys like this who that's how they played sports. They could play any sport, just pick it up, and they would just like they couldn't stop and they couldn't stop themselves from competing. I feel no <laughs> would get hurt. I think because of that. I think you're totally right. And I've actually I felt this when Tommy Fam was coming up, like, why did he choose baseball? Like he seems like, you know, just an athlete who could do a bunch of sports. He probably could do track and field. He could probably do like a heptathlon or but something like couldn't that. he be like a workable corner in the nfl sure oh yeah no definitely like so wow so why did he slog through slog through a lot of the minors right so he 20k he was in, in the minors he was in the minors he got his first taste of the majors all of two plate appearances in 2014 but he entered the minor league system in 2006 i know what's <laughs> Like, well, I mean, I like him because he is um, of an age with us. I totally agree, but that is um, that's some <laughs> perseverance right there. It is. It tells you he and he likes baseball. I'd say. I, I mean, obviously, my question is just why did he pick baseball as opposed to another sport? I know it's very true. I don't know. It's, could he be? I could like he be it. a soccer player? Could, maybe he probably does. He probably plays a mean soccer. Probably could have that's been a probably kicker. Probably why he's hurt. <laughs> Probably playing pickup basketball <laughs> yeah. between games, oh, you yeah. know, it's just all these things. Yeah, he's definitely that guy. Um, I mean, so we're so in terms of um, in terms of rankings, drafts are over, but he went like player fifty four, player sixty, you know, somewhere in there, um, which. I don't know. I, I feel like he could he re- could return that value this year. 
Yeah. Does he does he return that value if he doesn't hit 140 games? If he doesn't hit 140, yeah, you know, right. Like how many how many games how many games does he have to get to to realize that it's 140. value? 140. 140. Okay. It's 140. You can't. I I don't. It, it would be really hard to return that value if he hit if he did 135 games, which is where some of the projections have him. Yeah, the ADP wise rankings had him in the in the 55 to 60 range adp wise he was people are more cautious in the um 70 high 60s low 70s so i mean i think he could that value he can return i think and that's what people are thinking he could return more than that though he could i think he could still be a top 30 player but that 140 games played is is rough yeah, well, we'll see if he's a trade-worthy candidate. I think we'll know within the first two weeks. Trade-worthy, you mean in fantasy? In fantasy, trade. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess in the majors, too. I mean, well, that's that's the only reason I say that is because, like, who knows with the Rays? All right, my man. Who are we going to do this week? I want to know how this guy is going to look this year because I didn't like how he looked in the outfield last year. D. Gordon. D. Gordon, nice. I think that I think early season, if we watch a D Gordon game, we'll have a sense of is he finally comfortable? <laughs> Can he finally be productive in the outfield? Yeah, that is true. Oh, that's a good one. This will be a good one. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.